So identity is kind of a tricky deal. Well, it's not a tricky deal. Let me, let me change that. It's not a tricky deal. But um, who we are, uh, where our identity comes from, as, uh, it's been in the news a lot lately for a variety of reasons. And uh, it, it got me to thinking, like, um, where does our identity come from? How do, we, how do we know who we are, who we're supposed to be? Um, how do you protect that? How do you make sure that um, you're actually I don't know, retaining who it is that you, that you are? Uh, and who are we giving influence to actually to, to shape that? And should it change? Should it shift? And so there's an easy answer for us. For Christians, um, your identity comes both through and from Jesus Christ. Okay? Our identity comes from who Jesus is. That's us. That's our identity. That is who we are to be. That we are able to do such a thing comes from things that he has done. Okay? So rooted entirely in the person, God, of Jesus Christ, okay? So that's, that's where our identity comes from. And there's risks, though, on trying to fight for that, on trying to understand, like, what does it actually look like? Uh, to, to Jared's example, if that's my identity, but I'm not, I'm not living that, what happens? What happens when I'm actually not living consistent with what my identity is? Um, and and should, is that something that has to continually change, or is it something that's kind of in place? So what I think I want to do today is I want to talk about what your identity is. If your identity comes from Jesus Christ, what is that? How should I understand who I am based upon who Jesus is? And that's the root. Okay? So we're going to cover some of those things. This is not nearly exhaustive. All right? But we'll come, like, who are you based upon who Jesus is? We'll talk about that. And then we're going to talk about what is the, what is the barrier then if our identity is wrong? All right? If we don't understand our identity correctly, if we're not taking it from Jesus Christ, what, do, what does that introduce into our lives? What kind of risks come from that? What kind of things do we need to be aware of? We'll talk about if your identity is right, if we understand our identity correctly, what does that give us the ability to do? How does that change some of our day-to-day living, some of the moral things that are in discussion nowadays, some of the moral things that seem like there's amb- ambiguity there when otherwise in our identity of who Jesus is and thus who we are, they're actually pretty straightforward things. And ultimately, how do we retain that? How do we, how do we Keep exploring the depths of who we are by exploring the depths of who Jesus is and how does that translate to what it is that we think, do, and live. Okay? So that's where we're going today. Came in with a broad metaphysical question as to who am I? Good. You've come, wandered into the right place. That's what we're going to attack today. Um, so one of the, the first I want to start with, what are some characteristics of who we are based upon what God has done or who he is? Okay? So here's some reminders of who you are. And I need you to digest these not as, oh, those are interesting, but no, those are you. That's you. That's your, as a follower of Jesus Christ, if that's where you're at, this is now part of who you are, your identity. And you've got to let that soak in, because sometimes we act differently. We take this interesting information that may apply to me at some time or other, or that I may have to react to it some way or other. But I want you to own this as your identity given to you from and through Jesus Christ. The first one is that you are made in his image and likeness. This is from Genesis 1. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Sometimes there's some um, ambiguous moral questions about how we deal with life in in our society. But the truth is this sets it straight. It just sets it straight off right away. Everyone is created in the image and likeness of God. They inherently have value and worth and are loved by their creator. 
which means some of those ambiguities are not at all ambiguous. It doesn't matter as from a, from a worldly standard whether we think that human was formed correctly, whether we feel like that human's faculties are in order, whether we feel like they can survive or live the life that we think humans should be able to live. It's completely irrelevant. They were created in the image and likeness of God. They have inherent value and worth. And that is true with, for every human being, regardless of their behavior, regardless of their lifestyle that you run into. Remember that. That's part of an identity given by God the Creator, is that we are created in His image and likeness. Whether we submit to that, ultimately, in our actions is a different question. And we'll get that later in, in some of our identity stuff. But just recognize that that's part of who you are, created in the image and likeness of God. You have inherent value and worth. Any notion to the contrary is false. Part of your identity. In that respect, you are indeed a new creation. This is from 2 Corinthians. Uh, Paul's writing to a church uh, that he planted in Corinth. And he says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. I love this section. Um, not only are we, are we understanding ourselves as a, as a brand new creation coming from, I, I, maybe, maybe you guys don't have this problem, but like I have, I have things in my life where I feel like I'm always dragging around something old and generally something not good. I don't call it dragging around if I'm carrying something good. I say I'm carrying it gladly. I say it's dragging around when it's bad. And, um, and I have those things in my life and, and, and I'm not living consistent with my identity in Jesus, which is that I'm a new creation. These things are done. That's not my existence anymore. And not only that, we are reconciled to God through what Christ has done. But you notice he says, you are ambassadors for Christ, entrusting us the message of reconciliation. God is reconciling the world back to himself from whence it has fallen. And then he looks out at his people. He looks out at his Christians and says, and you are the ambassadors of that. You are taking my message out to the world, and it is through you. And as a new creation, through Jesus Christ, that the world is being set right. What an identity you have as an ambassador of the message of what Christ has done on the cross. That's you. That's not select people who travel overseas. That's not the random guy who runs a, I don't know, runs a Christian blog somewhere or the ladies that have the big conferences or the pastor at the church or the worship leader or whatever. That's you. You are a new creation Christian, ambassadors of Christ. That's your identity. That's a cool identity. You are loved. The same Paul that wrote to the church in Corinth uh, writes to the church in Rome and he says, For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth, nor any, we get it, Paul, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. He could have stopped at the first one. Neither death nor life is, I mean, those are pretty two fixed realities, are they not? That kind of makes the point. But he continues, he continues, because he wants us to understand the depth of that love, and that is your identity. You are loved by the creator of the universe. Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for you, you are loved. And that's, we, um, because the guys that hold up the signs at the, at the football games and stuff, we, we, we treat this shallowly. That is, this is not a thing that comes and goes. This is not a thing that you give up if you want to. This is not a thing where you get to like, uh, do something real bad, and then Jesus gets upset and doesn't love you anymore. This is who you are. At the core 
you are loved by Jesus Christ. That's your identity. As part of that, you are forgiven. John says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from some unrighteousness. No, I didn't. Sorry, I didn't say that right. It's electronics. I'm getting used to it. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You are forgiven. Repent, therefore, this is an axe, and turn back that your sins may be blotted out. You're forgiven. That is your state. You are changed. Your identity is that a person that is forgiven. So the thing that I was talking about that I drag around, it has to go. It has to die. It means that I'm living counter to what my reality is. My reality is that my identity has changed. I'm a forgiven, loved creation. And I'm carrying stuff around. And now you're going to feel that. I promise you, you're going to feel that when you're not living consistent with your identity. When I live my life as if I am not forgiven, even though I am forgiven, you're going to feel it. And in those regards, you're free. So if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. St. Paul to a church in Galatia, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Sin does that. Sin makes you feel chained, makes you feel captured to something, something you can't get out of, something that persists in your life that you feel like you can't break free, but your identity has changed. You are free. Dig, dig on, this, on this thought process. Let's say if sin is what puts you in a prison, Okay, you're sitting in a prison by yourself. You look at the walls. You lament your behavior. You say, I wish I wouldn't have done this thing to get here. I don't like the smell of it in here. I don't like that it's so confined. I don't like that there's not other people here. I feel isolated. I feel like I don't have any control over anything. And then the gracious King Jesus goes to the guy at the front and he says, paid. Ben's free. Set Ben free. And they come in and they knock on the door and they say, Ben, you're free. And I said, yes, finally. And, and then I stay there. And two, three days go by, and I'm still sitting in the prison. I'm looking around, and I'm saying, boy, I hate that it stinks in here. It's dark, and it's damp, and it's cold. And, and I, I wish I could do the other things that I want to do, and I, I just I wish I wouldn't have to be so trapped in this thing. And like, somebody walks by, and Jesus is gracious. He's waiting for me. He's got a cab ready to go. He's, he's taking care of all this. And they say, hey, Jesus, what's, what's Ben still doing in there? And Jesus says, I don't know. I, he's free. I set him free like three days ago. He's sitting in there for, I, I can't find it, I can't figure it out. I created the man and I don't know what's going on in there. Okay? That is our state oftentimes. Our identity has changed. Here's the truth. I'm still free. What Jesus Christ has done is still true. I just happen to be spending my freedom in this prison cell acting like I'm not free. You'll, you'll feel that. You'll feel that in your life, I promise you. But we're free. That's my state. My identity has changed. We are saved by grace. St. Paul, right into a church in Ephesus, says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are saved by grace. Sometimes I don't feel that either. I, I, I'm not willing to agree that I've been forgiven because on, on the premise, I don't agree that I've been saved by grace. I feel like I have to do something. I'm going to show God what it is that I do to be able to earn getting out of the prison. And that's not my state. My identity is that I am a person that is saved by grace. Now, frankly, sometimes we stop there. We stop at that part and we say, oh, good, saved by grace, not a result of works. We don't finish it and say, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. He does seem like he's got stuff for you to do. So it's not that you say, saved by grace, sit on butt, wait for Jesus to return. That's not the notion here. 
You're saved for good works, definitely. But my identity has changed, whereas I know that I am saved by His grace, and i got a line of good works ahead of me that He has prepared. That's who I am. Are you getting a picture of who you are? That's your identity. Whether you live it out every day or not, I want you to understand that this is, this is who you are created to be. And this is who, what Christ has done on the cross has created you, has, uh, enables you to be that. There are other things that he calls this, uh, he refers to his, his people as kingdom and priests. You're sharing a bit of those titles with Jesus Christ. You recognize that? He's the king. He's the high priest. This is how he describes his people. We are kingdom and priest. And that carries, that, that, that initial description starts in Exodus. It carries the revelation. Kingdom and priests. That's quite the identity. You are loved. You are free. You live forever. You were created in his image and likeness. This is who you are. This is who you are. It's your identity. We get it because of who Jesus, what he has done, and who he is translates to us. That's our identity. Now, I know what you're feeling because I felt the same thing. Uh, as I said, okay, well, that's my identity. I don't look like that. I don't look like that. Now, don't, don't hear me wrong here. Jesus has a pretty high mar. He's given you this identity. He, he wants you to live up to it. <laughs> right? He's asking you to submit to that. Whether you're capable of doing that is certainly something scripturally worth talking through, whether you can do that completely. His, the scripture is also pretty clear, right? The same book that otherwise gives this to us as, as our identity has been pretty clear at the places in which we are unrighteous, right? Same book, same source, okay? But I want you to recognize when we're not holding firm to our identity, what it is, that we, the risks that we run. And one of them is, is that you give the ability to define yourself to untrustworthy parties, yourself included. Okay? Think of, if my identity doesn't come from Jesus Christ, to the person that created me, to the God that died on the cross for my sins, to reconcile me back to him, of which I am now part of that reconciliation, then who am I allowing to define who it is that I am? It's probably people, people that don't love you the way that God loves you, sometimes fickle, judgmental, sinful people. Good, that's everybody. we got a nice basket for everyone to sit in. That's who you are giving responsibility to give your identity. And I know that you felt that. There's no way as a human being you've not felt that the time when you gave someone else the ability to define who you are. Hey, you're ugly. You're no good at the thing that you do. You have, you have no value. I don't like the way that you raise your kids. I don't like the decisions that you've made. Now see, those things don't just brush off, right? Because, to be honest, we, our identity is a little bit open. We're willing to be instructed by other people as to what they think and then how then we should think about ourselves. And so when that identity comes in the hands of other people, we run some serious risks. And I do mean serious risks. The times, the darkest moments in life, whether you've experienced them or not, um, come because we've believed things that aren't consistent with our identity in Jesus. Like even this is not a Christian, non-Christian thing. Christians do this. We can get to really dark places because of things that somebody has said about who we are, and we believe them. Nobody, nobody loves you. Nobody cares for you. Nobody respects anything that you do. You're not capable of doing anything well. You can't be forgiven for the things that you've done. Now, we know that that's not actually what our identity is. That's not true. But you recognize that if we don't hold firm to the identity that we are given by God, then we open ourselves up to accept an identity given to us by anybody else. And that can take us to some very dark places, because if those things are true, then that puts us in a really bad spot. You, you recognize the risks here. Who, who do I want to trust with my identity? 
Who do I want to trust to say who I am? I think it's an easy answer, right? It's a simple, it's not an easy thing to live, but I want you to recognize that what we, when we're not fighting to keep with the identity that God has given us, then we are opening ourselves to accept that identity from anybody else. And that is what causes a lot of derogatory things in our lives. I, hey, I'm with, I'm with you in that. Maybe, you're, maybe the thing that you're doing is not good enough. Maybe you're not living up I, multiple times. Like I may, I may question, like I, maybe this isn't for me. Maybe I, maybe I shouldn't be standing in front of anybody talking about Jesus. What right do I have? May, everybody's got that in some way or another. Frankly, I mean, you could stink at your job. Don't hear me wrong. Like there is a reality too. Maybe maybe you're not in the right spot. That's not an identity issue. Maybe you just you need to do something else. Possible, okay? But I, I want you to hear me that when it comes to the root of who you are. You need to be careful who you're opening up your identity to. And frankly, that includes you. You are not trustworthy. You're not. You have biases in how you take things in. I'll, I'll give you an example. So I, I prone towards um, worry and anxiety, anxiousness about things. Um, when people call me that I haven't heard, they aren't part of people that I normally interact with, so maybe I hear from them every month or so on the phone, uh, if it's, especially if it's not a text message, if it's a phone call, I'm... They get very, very nervous to pick it up. I assume something's wrong. If it's someone from here, I assume there's a marriage problem or some, something medical has happened to somebody's kids. And here's the thing. I can't control any of that. It makes me very nervous. It makes me very... My, my, I am prone to anxiousness. And the thing is, I have to know that about myself. Um, when I look out the kids... Uh, so I got three kids now, so I can't call them the, the big one and the, and the, the little one the tall one and the little one. But I, for my purposes, that's how I'm going to describe them because the baby is not old enough to count in the story. So, so if I look out the window and my kids are sp- or go out and play in the front yard and the, the tall one has to be with the, with the little one because the little one's the type of one that would shake hands with the creepy guy in a white van selling ice cream. Okay, she just would. The tall one will keep, is, a bit, is a bit socially awkward. She will just demure to the side and walk away slowly very awkwardly. She'll, she'll probably do that to you if you try to have a conversation with just her nature. Uh, the little one, though, would shake hands and talk to anybody and would get in the van. So that's a problem. So we send the, the tall one out with the little one and say, if you're going to be in the front yard, you have to stick with the tall one. Okay? So if I look out the window and the tall one's out there swinging around or talking to somebody, whatever, and I don't see the little one, my mind thinks someone's taken the little one. Someone's made off with her down the street. Okay? Now here's the thing. That's a, a bit ridiculous. Like, it happens. I hear you. But like... Every time that I've looked out the window and the little one hasn't been where she's supposed to, she's been on the trampoline at the folks next door. Every time. Okay? Wanders around, does whatever she wants to, bouncy up and down. I could look out the back door and I could see her doing it. Uh, but my first reaction is, someone's, someone's came by in a white van. That's definitely what happened. Now, does it mean you're not cautious about the white van? No, you've got to keep an eye out. Okay? People, people are up to stuff. But what it does tell me is that my initial reaction is one of anxiousness. I assume bad things. And I worry about them, which means that if I am also the one who is looking and being the determiner of myself, of the identity that I have, I'm biased, right? I have a bias in how I look at things. I assume anxiety. I assume worrisome things about myself, which means how I self-identify cannot necessarily be trusted. Now, it doesn't have to be anxiety for you, but I'm betting that it's something. There's something that, that you just, you take in the world in such a way that your uh, determination of your own identity is at least suspect, okay? So even the things that you feel, and, and frankly, th- this, is, this is the root at some of the things that is a society, is a culture, not just a church culture, a broad culture that we struggle with, is we say, hey, I need to be true to who I am. And my first reaction is, I'm a little untrustworthy. 
Perhaps I shouldn't be true to who I am. Perhaps I need to be careful of, of that being the apex of what I'm heading to in life, is to be consistent with a, 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 an identity that I'm not sure is all that good. I get it, though. I get the hang-up here. Because if, if you take a God out of the picture, who the heck else do you have to trust? We've already decided that you guys are unreliable to give me a decent identity, so then I have to rely on myself. And you take God out of the picture, okay, I get that. When people are saying that, I need to be true to myself, I need to be true to my identity, you need to be fair with that. Because without a God in the picture, where else are they going to go? They're being honest. Okay? Let people be honest with that. What changes the game is a Lord and Savior that provides you an identity that you can rely on, that you can trust in, that you can be confident in, even when you don't feel it, even when you're taking it indifferently, even when you don't feel confident in those things. It's still true because He is who He says He is, and He created you in His image and likeness. Do you understand what I'm saying here? Be honest with people. Let them, let them, I get that. Get where that comes from. You're not going to beat that out of them. You're not going to berate that out of them. It's honest. And frankly, it's completely understandable. Jesus is the dif differentiator here, okay? So just be careful of who you're opening up your identity to, who you're giving power to to define who you are when there is a God that knows you better than anyone else and he says, I know who you are. This is your identity. You can take that to the bank. There's a couple other things that come through this, and these are more church-specific, but I wanted to hit them real quick when it comes to remembering who we are, okay? When we don't get this right, what our risks are. From a Christian perspective and how we deal with people that don't love Jesus, it's legalism. We run a very strong risk of legalism. What that means is, is that we are far more concerned with how people are behaving. Okay? How, we don't, we're not all that concerned. We don't spend our time talking about how Jesus loves them and watching the gospel transform their lives. We're more interested in behavior modification. Okay? That's a real risk. And that, here's where that comes from. Is we, we get into church, we get real comfortable with each other, and then we say, we see people who suffer from sins that aren't the ones that we're comfortable with. Okay? And they say, hey, look, you know what? If you're, uh, you're a heavy drinker, you need to clean that up before you come in here. Hey, you're attracted to someone that's got the same gender as you? No, no, you need to work that out before you can come in here and be part of this and hear about Jesus. We pick the things that we're not comfortable with, and we say, hey, we, you need to clean that up. You know what we've forgotten? We forgot our identity. We forgot that we are sinners saved by grace. You're that same person. But because it's not the thing that we're comfortable with, we're like, oh, okay, you just need to change your behavior. You can come in here. Jesus is not about that. Okay? Your behavior will change when you follow Jesus. That's true. That's because the gospel transformed you. Not because we beat you with a stick and you modified how you live your life. Don't, don't get me wrong. Those things that are in your life that aren't consistent with what, what God created you to be, He will root them out. God bless them. He'll root them out. But it's through gospel transformation. And so where we run a risk is that we become pious in a place we shouldn't be. We sit on a throne that doesn't belong to us, and we, just, we forget who we were. We forget what we've been made to be, and that we were sinners saved by grace, and we stop extending grace to other people. Be careful. Knowing who you are isn't just a self-empowerment trip. It's a reminder of who you are and the identity that Christ has given you, and that comes with recognizing that you are indeed a sinner saved by grace. And so you need to be careful that you don't fall too on a legalistic side and start trying to get people to modify their behavior to approach the throne of Christ when you were afforded a much different luxury. Be careful with that. On the other side of that, liberalism is a danger for us. And that's not in a political sense. It means taking things um, not as distinctly as God has laid them out. Okay? In, in this regard, all behavior becomes acceptable. Everything is good is determined by anyone. Okay? It shows up in Judges as a bad thing. Um, we need to be careful that we don't extend that out to, to what we're doing. The risk is that here is that there are numerous but um, 
There's a lot of risks, sorry, that are associated with that, but it's hard to have confidence when your identity is flexible. Okay? We, we can't act like Jesus wasn't clear on things. We can't act like he wasn't firm on things. When he says, when he calls us at Matthew 5 to 7, we just got done going through Matthew, right? The Sermon on the Mount, those are calls to righteousness, guys. He wasn't unequivocal about those. They're calls to righteousness. Yes, he will root those out, absolutely. And here's, here's the thing, is when the gospel is transforming your life, you look at those and say, those are grace. Those things that he wants to root out in my life and change about me and those calls to righteousness, even those are grace. Not just the fact that I've been saved from something that I created. It's his changes in me are his grace and mercy upon my life. And when we tell, when we approach people and we say, yes, you can come to Jesus because Jesus loves everybody, but not act like he calls us to a different, to righteousness. Okay? Then we are actually denying them grace that he has extended us. Now you have to hold those in tangent, uh, back to legalism problem. Okay? This is where Jesus succeeds and we generally stink, is holding both of those things firmly. But I need you to understand that when we don't understand who we are correctly, because we don't understand who Jesus is correctly, we do one of those things wrong. We weight them in the thing that we prefer. If we're better at beating up on people, we'll beat up on people. If we're better at being gracious and loving to people, and uh, we, we don't really care, or frankly, we don't want to submit our stuff to God and let him change that and root that out, then that's what we go with. And we say, yes, everything's fine. All of that is his mercy. We are not at liberty to pick and choose what that is. We extend all of it to people. But one hand is not stronger than, than the other. Okay, Some of us got a mean right hook and a real soft lefty. Or, I don't know, we hide the right one and we hit you with the left. That's the loved one left. I don't know why. L's, I think. Does that work, Lori? You think L's? Yeah. Okay. I'm just, I'm dialing. I just thought of it and I just see what you thought. So, you got to be careful. you got to be careful. Your identity is more than just self-empowerment stuff. It determines what you do. It determines who you are, how you interact with other people, and how you see other people. So what does it look like when you get it right? When we understand our identity correctly, what does that mean? What can we expect to happen? So one of the things that we should understand is that when we were rooted in the right identity, we know who we are, we know who Jesus is, we can persevere in the face of persecution. And I know that we don't see that physically here a ton. But there, when I say brothers and sisters, like we got we to hear me that. Like, that's actual family, our family. People that believe in the same father that we believe in, our family across the world is very much running into that. But because they know who they are, they don't have to volley back and forth about how do we react in such a circumstance. This is from Voice of the Martyrs uh, a few months ago. It said, after stating their names and where they were from, three Assyrian Christians wearing orange jumpsuits were shot in the back of the head as they knelt in the desert sand. The next scene of the video, released by ISIS on October 7th, shows three additional Assyrian brothers in Christ kneeling before the bodies laying in the bloody sand. As the masked ISIS fighters stand behind them with pistols in their right hands, the men share their names, and the middle one, pointing at the bodies, declares, Our fate is the same as these if you do not take proper procedure for our release. Before stating their name, each Hashid said, I am Nazrani. You see that? It's the end. It's the Arabic term for Nazarene. We identify with Jesus. It's what got them shot. Okay, it's what got them shot. It's, it's their identity. And they didn't run away from it, and they didn't, like, I, I don't know if you feel like you've read stories about some of that stuff, but, like, these are people who are not, they're not debating, they're not vacillating, they're not arguing. You love Jesus? Yes, I do. You can put a gun to your head, and that's my identity. See, here's the thing, gun or not, that's my identity. That's the point, is that who you are, who Jesus defined you to be, the identity that he's given you doesn't change. Gun to your head, no gun to your head. 
It doesn't change finger to your face or no finger to your face, which is what, more likely what you're going to see. You're going to see following the things that we said that Jesus cares about that matter in the world. Someone's going to point a finger in your face and say, you're hateful with the things that you think. You want me to change. You want me to be different. You think I can't continue to live the way I want to live. Some of you guys have got a particular sin in your mind. Let that go. It's everybody. Okay? You want me to be different. You're saying that I can't have my own kingdom. You, I should submit to this one. I should die to myself daily and follow this. You're hateful. You won't let me have my own identity. You think I need to take on another one. Can you take a finger to the face? Yeah. Because your identity hasn't changed. That's the point. It doesn't matter whether the finger's in your face or not. It doesn't matter whether there's a gun to your head or not. Who you are is who you are. You live consistent to that identity. It doesn't matter. Someone could react to something that I've said. Here's what I know. I know that I'm doing my very best to follow Jesus Christ and to submit to him in all those things, both right and left hands. And I know that some of the things that I say, biblically true, will be considered hateful by somebody else. Here's what I know. In my heart, I'm not. I don't hate them. I know it. I probably don't love them as well as Jesus does, but I'm working on it. So I know that to be true. So can someone say you're hateful? And can I say, I know my identity. I'm not. I'm not. That's tough. It's tough. And the reason we start to bend on things that shouldn't bend because they belong to Jesus is because we allowed someone else to define us. We allowed someone else to say, you are hateful. And we said, well, maybe we are. Maybe Jesus didn't mean that thing in this way, or maybe we need to kind of alter that. You, you recognize the core undergirding all this, though, is we have to know Jesus correctly. Where we get this wrong, where we get it wrong, is we pick and choose the things we love about Jesus, and we run with that. Here's the deal. You need to make sure you're actually not hateful. Maybe you are. Maybe you're, maybe you're swinging an arm inappropriately with, with your other arm. You understand what I'm saying? This is a risk for us as the ambassadors. What a cool identity. What a cool title. But that carries with it a lot of responsibility because how we act, if we are the ambassadors of Jesus Christ and we're getting Jesus wrong, how can you be surprised that people are upset with Jesus Christ? We, that's a huge responsibility. It's a very cool identity, but it's a huge responsibility. We've got to be careful with that. When we get it right, though, we are grounded. We're not swayed by the wind, the passing of time, the passing of laws. We know how to handle things. Because it doesn't matter what goes on around us. Hear, hear this. Your identity is in Jesus Christ. There's a lot of things that will happen around you in your environment that will want to shift that. Things that happen in your government, things that happen in your country, things that happen in your neighborhood, things that happen to the moral base of what people around you. It doesn't matter. Your identity is the exact same. Gun to head, no gun. Finger, no finger. Free America, non-free America. Government the way you want it, government not the way you want it. Ex-president, Y-president, I don't care. Your identity is your identity is your identity is your identity. It does not matter what's going on in your environment. You will stay firm to that. When we know who we are, we know what to do. We know how to live. But recognize where it's all rooted. And this is where we have to be careful. We, this is how we keep it right. Is we look to Jesus. This is all about Jesus. It's about who he is and what he's done. And how do we interact with that? How do we keep that firm? How do I know that my identity is consistent with the identity that Jesus has given me? How do I know that I'm, what I'm aiming for is right? I need to know Jesus. I'll tell you this, guys. One of the things that I really struggle with is when people misrepresent Jesus Christ because I know him. I know you. I don't like it if someone's talking to me and they're misrepresenting who you are. I don't like that because I know you. And I know that's not the way you act or the things that you do. And when people put false words in Jesus Christ's mouth, or they say the wrong thing about what he does or who he cares for or who he loves, it hurts me because I love him and I know him. The question for us as Christians is, do we know him? 
Do we know when people are misrepresenting him? Do I know when my life is misrepresenting him? Do I know the identity that I've taken on, that I've bought into, is inconsistent with the identity he's gave me? I have to know him. And this means, guys, that we're going to have to push beyond some of the easy ways that as modern Christians we digest things. Scripture gives us the opportunity to know him. He gave us an excellent gift. We need to use it. That means we're going to have to push beyond your desk calendar verse, your Facebook posting, and don't hear it the wrong way, but even your daily devotional. A lot of that stuff is going to give you a chapter or a couple of verses out of Scripture, and then it's going to tell you some human thoughts around it. There can be positive behavior modifications from those, okay? But that's not the same thing as gospel transformation. It's not the same thing as knowing Jesus Christ. It's not the same thing as knowing the context of the things that have been said around it. You're going to have to dig into your Bible. Do it with your community. You don't have to sit in your room with the, the loaf. You guys seen the old man with the loaf of bread and the Bible and the thing? I love that picture. But like, that doesn't have to be you, okay? Learn in your community. He's given you that. That's awesome. That's a gift. But we have to be very careful that we don't settle for an identity that we don't actually know anything about. We gave up. We, you guys only take what someone gives you on a Sunday morning, or if you only take what arrives in your email box, or you only take what somebody posted in a sweet graphic okay, from the Version Bible. I dig it, but that's not enough. We will not actually know Jesus interacting with him in handshakes. We need hugs. Okay? Jesus does hugs, not handshakes. We're moving in. You need to know him. As you get to know him, you get to know you. You recognize the identity that you've been given. It's a glorious gift. You need to dig in on it. Okay? Talk to him. That's what prayer is. He doesn't need the news of the day. Omniscient God, right? Sees everything. Sweet glasses. He knows what's going on. Talk to him. That's how you get to know people. That's how you get to know God. Interact with him. Watch him interact in your communities. It's all about Jesus. Always has been, always will be. It's about Jesus. So we need to know him. There's plenty of steps you guys can take. I, 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 don't, I don't even think I need to lay them out, right? Like, get to know him. They're in your fingertips. Use whatever is at your disposal to get to know him deeper so that you understand your identity deeper. And that, if we, are, if we are Christians following a Jesus and we are firm in our identity, some of these things that we're quibble about, some of these things that are, society's been able to paint us one way or the other, it's because we didn't know who we were. We went off half-cocked not knowing Jesus and hitting the world up with it. Hit the world up with it, ambassador. You need to know Jesus, though. Take the full Jesus Christ with you. And then you go out fully and you live confidently in that finger gun doesn't matter. Environment doesn't matter. It's awesome. That's an awesome identity. What we need to do is live it. Let's pray. Father God, I love you.